Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And this is your weekly love, sex, relationships, and emotional, spiritual show that we love to bring to you every Wednesday on thewellnesscouch.com. And today we're talking to those of you who are in a relationship, particularly maybe a long-term relationship, because obviously we do often tend to look a lot of uh, a lot of advice on the show for singles, for the dating world, for, you know, that is Jane's area of expertise. But we have, we have been getting a little bit of feedback from those of you who are in the longer-term relationship that you'd like some tips and some tools for building them and growing them and enriching them in ways beyond where you're currently at. Even if you've been with your partner for 20 years, how can you take it to that next level? Yeah, I like this topic. I think this is lovely. And I think it's so easy when you're in a good relationship, it's very easy to get lazy in it and to just cruise it along and then get busy and kick goals in other areas. But what if you were to take some of the energy that you apply in other areas of your life and apply it to your relationship to take it to a whole nother level? And so I think what we're going to do today is talk about a few different tips and tools that you can use. I think one of my favorites is the old boring date night, which just gets left off if like we tend to go to these tools when the relationship is in trouble or we or not necessarily trouble but where you feel like you're a bit disconnected but what if you use these same tools when you are connected to gain a greater connection so it's making that regular time commitment to be able to spend time together with it being just the two of you not with friends not with family not with children not with you know the tv on in the background but that beautiful date night and one of my lovely friends has a a thing going where her partner and her they alternate who organizes the date night so they get to you know have their own desires met of what they might like to do for the date night but they take it in turns and it becomes this surprise thing and they don't share with each other what it is that they're doing and so it builds anticipation then there's the surprise element often they put things in that are new that are perhaps on their bucket list that they've not they've always wanted to do and it can be little things or big things so there's the surprise element and then there's the opportunities of trying something new which they are doing together as a couple creating new memories new experiences i love that idea jane now i'm going to talk about esther perel p-e-r-e-l if you put her name into google you'll find her as one of the the thought leaders in the ted.com speeches that you know there's that amazing website where you can watch thought leaders who lecture experts people who lecture all over the world on every topic in the world esther perel has dedicated her life and her studies to how we can bring that amazing feeling of first love the tingles the butterflies the rush of exhilaration how we can bring that feeling into relationships that have been around for a really long time and it's fascinating to watch she's unearthed about five different tips for how to get you there i can't remember them all off my head which is why i really encourage you guys to go and watch her ted.com talk but two or three of them that do that i do remember one of them is one of the most important ingredients in any relationship is yearning and of course when you live with someone and if you've been married to them for say 20 years you don't get a chance very often to miss them, you know, unless they, they work in the mines or they're in the army or they're away, you know, if your husband or if you're away a lot for business. But 
there's so much to be said for absence makes the heart grow fonder in relationships that sometimes it's it's an important thing because through through yearning comes desiring and also imagination and the more imagination you use around fantasizing about your partner and what you'll do when they next get into your hands and how you're going to jump on them and you know all of that sort of those beautiful delicious emotions get the fire gets stoked up in them again. Another thing that she mentions is often if you will step back and actually see your partner in a light that you don't often in a normal everyday sense around the house or the kitchen get to see them in. For example, let's say your husband's giving a talk, uh, you know, he's giving a lecture on a, on a topic or he's doing something in his career where he's really in, yeah, in an amazing light and you might be in the audience or you might be on the outer looking in and you get to see him in that moment of glory or that moment of, um, you know, he's just got a bit of an aura around him and you almost get to see him through everyone else's eyes and it kind of tickles you a bit and it makes you very proud and it makes you think, well, I'm the lucky one who gets to get that man home. So there are a couple of the things that Esther Perel mentions. Jane, have you got some more tips I and tools? I like that one. That's lovely. Okay, so I like looking at the emotional, filling up the emotional love bucket as well. And I'm a big fan of paying compliments. Now, it's so simple. Well, we kind of forget that in the everyday. So if your partner, if you're getting ready to go out, your partner's put effort into their appearance, compliment them on their appearance. If one of you has put effort into cooking a nice meal for the other, compliment them on it. But get into the habit of making sure that you do three compliments every day to your partner. So using the words, okay? So what I'm basically doing here is going through the five love languages. And even though we've talked of this in other podcasts where we have a primary love language, I actually want people to tackle all five love languages to take their relationship to the next level because you may be conversing to them or, or demonstrating your love to them in their primary love language, which fills their love bucket the most. However, most people will relate to all five. So the compliments is the words of affirmation love bucket. So even if they only relate to that 20%, what we're doing is adding an extra level to a relationship that's already good. So it's going to naturally fine-tune things and take it a little bit further. So if we then look at the other love languages, so we've got acts of service. Write a list of all of the things that you think you could do for your partner Big things and little things. In fact, the more little things, probably the better because you can do it more frequently. And then you do something for them off of that act of service so that they then feel that uh, love in that language. Actually, Beck, you've got a nice twist on this. Do you want to share what, what you my and, husband uh, and I do? Yeah, yeah. I love this. Now, this I'm, is beautiful. I've probably told this story before, so apologies for those who it's a double up, but it is really relevant to this particular podcast. So my husband and I went through this process, I think it was last year, where he actually came bounding in at 11 o'clock one night with a Love Languages book, which for those of you who don't know is by Gary Chapman. So definitely invest in a copy or jump on the website, thefivelovelanguages.com, I think it is. Um, there's a quiz. There's a multiple quiz that you can take in the book or on the website, which helps you figure out which love language you are. Now, my husband and I worked out that we are both the words of affirmation as our primary love language. Jane, let's just go through all five words okay. of affirmation. Yep. Touch. So physical touch. Physical touch. Mm -hmm. Time. Quality, quality time. Quality time. Acts of service and gift giving. Yeah. So, yeah, so my husband and I are words of affirmation. Now, what we did was we sat down on the couch with a pen and a paper, and I told him every single thing that I absolutely adore for him to do for me. And it, it was a really wide-ranging list because it wasn't obviously all 
words of affirmation. It was stuff like, I love it when you take me to a restaurant. I love it when you give me a foot massage. I love it when you pick up the kids and I don't have to. All of those kinds of things. And surprise me with tickets to Paris, Brett. <laughs> How do you know about that? No, no, no. I wish. Okay. So he wrote all of that down and then I took the pen and paper and he told me all the things he loves. And, you know, our lists are really different. This is an eye-opening exercise because, you know, what turns him on or fills his love bucket or gets his juices going or warms him up towards me, they're not the things that I'd want him to do for me, but they're what he likes. So it's important to know. We took our lists away. We put both of them, we put them in our bedside drawers with little journals and we held ourselves accountable. And every night for many, many months, and in fact, we notice when we fall out of habit because our relationship, you know, deteriorates that little bit and we have to get back on board again. Every night for months, I would write down three things that day I had done for him off his list and three things I appreciated about him and he would do the same. And Jane, let's talk here about appreciation and gratitude in a relationship. Oh, it's such a powerful thing. Okay, so what I like to do is write, and I have this not just for my husband, but for every person in my life that is truly important to me, so family and friends. And I write a list. So with my husband, I would write a list of everything I am grateful for about him in my life. And it would have, again, the big things, but also loads of little things. Now, that instantly places me in a feel-good place. But where this tool is probably the most powerful is when we are in conflict, when we're not actually as connected, when I know that something that is going on has disappointed him or I need to talk to him about something that could potentially be a bit confrontational. That's the time that I get my list out. And, oh, you know what? He's really pissed me off. He's really given me grief and I've had it. I get that list out and it just softens all the energy. It softens how I feel towards him. And that's what we want to do is try and soften that energy so that we can have a better communication about whatever conflict that we currently have. Appreciation, so it works on two levels. One is that it, it places you in a great feeling place in the, the actual moment of writing it but it's also something you can use when you're going into battle for something. It is. So, and so it's this concept of gratitude journaling for, your, for, your, you know, for yourself in your own life, which is very, very important, but also for your lover, for your partner. And, and because the more evidence you go out and search for, the more proof you look for as to how amazing they are, the more you'll actually convince yourself and see it, even if you are a bit pissed off at them for, for you know, six months you're pissed off at them because something, you know, there's stuff going on with your jobs or your money or the dynamics in the house relationships go through so many phases and in fact this is something else that perhaps we now need to look at Jane is over the lifespan of a relationship you know you go through so many different energies together and actually my mother used to always say a really beautiful thing to me um that her mother had told her which is that before you marry a man you must see him in every season because you must see him in all the different moods so you almost get a bit of a it's a good overview of what you're going to get because, you know, the life throws you all kinds of things and part of the, the soul connection of people is how they navigate those bumps and those rides and those dead ends and those all of the twists and turns together and that's where the true growth occurs and that's where the true learning and bonding and history and layers of the relationship occur. And it's at all of those junctures that people always come to me and they want out of the relationship and, Jane, you'd see this too. People want, they want to give up. They want to have an affair with the person at the office. They want to just, you know, chuck it all in or it's too hard and we're just jumping down each other's throats and I want a divorce. And, and I'm like, no, this is the point because do you realize that the patterns that the two of you are working through, 
if you just throw the towel in and jump back out into the single scene and meet some amazing person that you think ticks every box, trust me, the universe is bringing back the patterns for you to repeat again. Absolutely. It will person. be Groundhog Day. Absolutely will be. Every relationship will become repeating until the gifts and, and the lessons have been learned. You know, it's interesting too. People are listening to this and they are in a relationship but they're not in a uh, – they're considering like getting married or they're considering moving in together. And there's something going on, you know, what am I trying to get at here? I have witnessed a lot of people who say that they're in a happy relationship and they're really excited about getting married and they're really excited about moving in together, that there's this one area within the relationship that they feel that by moving in together, it's going to fix it. Or it's like the person who says, a marriage is not going very well, I'm pregnant now, but the baby will fix it. And look, quietly, I have to laugh really honestly, having a child, could anything be more challenging to a relationship than to bring a child into this world? Children are the catalyst. Everything that's been dormant or hidden underground will come up when those kids get in the picture. They will bring up your money issues, your personal relationships, your communication (laughs) issues, your house issues, everything's up. That's it, absolutely. So if you've got any warning bells, if there is anything within the relationship that you feel is going to be better because we're getting married or it's going to be better because we're going to move in together, think again. You need to deal with this situation before getting married because what happens once you end up in in this co-habitating arena, whatever problem was big before is now going to become amplified. Because you can't get away from it now. And this leads us to the next extremely important tool in your long-term relationship toolkit, which is communication. And I had to learn this the hard way. Now, you would think, because I can talk the hind leg off it and whatever, (laughs) that, you know, I would just bring that to my personal life. But it's funny, isn't it? It's funny. I'm not that good at expressing everything that's going on for me or my feelings or where the real blocks or problems are for me in the most intimate ways, um, just between me and my husband and me and my partner. So I, he's actually been brilliant in this regard because he's a very direct communicator because he's a Sagittarius, so it's his job. But, I mean, he's actually really taken me by the hand and showed me how you have to speak your truth in a relationship. And, yes, sometimes it means people are going to get hurt or noses are going to be put out of joint or it's going to be awkward or cringy, but it always brings growth and it always takes you to the next level when you push yourself because the most raw honest conversations we've ever had they're a bit like purging demons like they kind of get all the the yucky stuff out and it's out there so you can actually both see it and deal with it and then get to the next place it's incredibly healthy and incredibly important because there's nothing that kills a relationship more than simmering resentment that's not being talked about yes absolutely now it's when you're in this tolerance you know, when people say, oh, I'm very, I'm a very tolerant person. Tolerance, I think, is so toxic. It's a time bomb waiting to go off. Martyrdom. Oh, absolutely. You must accept or reject whatever it is that you choose to accept or reject. But to sit in tolerance is waiting, waiting. You can, you can sustain it for a certain period of time. And then suddenly the explosion happens. So it's really important that whatever issues you've got, you need to talk about it from a, am I going to accept this or am I going to reject this state? But, you know, it's interesting looking at my own, well, I find it interesting looking at my own relationship. The times that Simon and I have really 
you know, have exploded, perhaps our communication hadn't been great and we did, we were tolerating. And then we get to the explosion of where not, we actually need to really work this out and there's got to be acceptance or rejection of, of some particular issue. It's always actually taken our relationship the next level. And, and Jane, you always do family meetings too, which I'm very admiring of. Oh, we don't do them regularly enough. Thanks for the reminder. Okay, I think we're about due for one or overdue for one again. Well, well I've never held one yet. I mean, not that we don't have problems, but I think it's a good way of managing everyone in the family and your, your partner. I treat it as a boardroom meeting. It's like we'll have an agenda and everybody's going to have their say and then we'll make decisions that we all talk about our different opinions on something and then we make a decision and it's written down and we all know that once you write something down it sort of holds so much more stronger energy and it's more likely to actually manifest and have occur um yes absolutely i think also with communication though it's really important that people learn to listen so much of of when you get into this long-term relationship it's very common for people to have a problem and then decide, you know, I want to share this with my partner. And the partner is going to go straight into problem solving and come up with a solution. When the reality is that the person who's got the problem is not yet ready to solve the problem. They're just ready to start to release some of the energy of the problem by sharing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that thing of a problem shared is a problem halved or whatever that saying is. And so watch that you're not rushing to fix something for someone that they're not ready to have fixed because what will ultimately happen is that your relationship will actually get distanced rather than closer. So the way to get closer in this scenario, if somebody's sitting down and they're wanting to share with you, I've got this big problem at work and they just want to talk it all through so you listen, just listen and then guide them so that they can come to the solution themselves because that is empowering. When somebody else constantly fixes something for you, that's not empowering. So listen to what the problem is and then ask questions such as, what do you feel you could do from here? What do you feel is the next stage? What is it that you would like the end picture to look like? Have you got some thoughts and ideas on what steps you would take to get to that end picture? And as you're asking the right active questions, they start to come up with their own ideas and their own solution. So what you're doing now is creating a most rich, strong bed of compatibility and I've got your back and I'm here to help you to come up with your own solution so that you are empowered to be able to continue to have this growth. It's enabling in a positive way rather than sometimes we enable in a negative way, isn't it? Yeah. By feeding each other's insecurities or, you know, um, idiosyncrasies and all that sort of stuff. But that's a really beautiful example. I really love that, Jane. And it's kind of leading me into the personal responsibility um, bandwagon now because the other thing about a relationship is, yes, it takes two to tango, but how often do we go around in a relationship just thinking about the other person? It's them we blame, we point the finger, that's his fault. He did that in, you know, that's from childhood or he blah, blah, blah. And we've got lots and lots of accusatory type things that we love to lump on the other person so that we are the suffering victim through it all. And of course, all relationships are just mirrors that are holding up a reflection to you and your stuff and the issues that you are being called upon to work on right now by the universe. So to some extent, when it comes to some of those brick walls you're hitting up against in your relationship, 
it, they're coming up for a reason because there's often time for you to start looking within and looking at what elements of this conflict you need to heal with your own inner demons, your own inner child, your own inner game. And I've, you know, even actually it was just the other week, I had two different people complaining to me who are both in very long-term marriages um, just about, you know, how they want to leave their partner. And, you know, they've tried everything. They've done everything over the years. And I'm hearing them, but I'm thinking, but you haven't. You really, really haven't, or you'd be further along by now. And also you haven't because there's stuff deep in you that, you might have gone to a couple of therapists or you might have looked at once or twice or you might have taken a meditation seminar once, but you're still not going deep enough and there's always more layers to that onion skin. And again, this is the point of relationships and why they are hard and why we can't run, okay? Your relationship is a soulmate who's been given to you to work through your hardest lessons with. They're the soul who's often put up their hand to say, I'll be the soul to bring you the hardest those, like Jane talks about feathers, bricks, and sledgehammers. <laughs> I'll be the one to, to bring you those sledgehammers because that's how you're going to get your beautiful lessons in this lifetime. And only the souls that love you the most can be the ones to hurt you the most so you can get those lessons because it's hard. It's a hard thing to do. You know? It's a very hard thing to do. Absolutely. Very hard. I also, I don't even know what I was going to well, say. I, was going to say Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. I was well, thinking about my own relationship then and how I always thought I got my messages with feathers. But you recently said, no, you know, Jane, you love the bricks. <laughs> oh, dear. I guess I do. But I think we've been fed a lot of Hollywoodisms. Um, you know, one of my mum's friends used to always say, because in the olden days, in the 50s, they always used to do these grand movies with like circular staircase, like, like the grand spiraling staircase where like the lover would be at the bottom and the girl would come down in her big dress, you know. <laughs> and she's like, I always thought life was like you know the staircase in the movie and you know and it's not because the Hollywood movie lasts 50 minutes and the relationship lasts 50 years and a lot of stuff happens and it's not it's not like everything's perfect and beautiful once the ring gets on the finger is yes, it that's it's not we're fed no, lies in no, that regard we really no, are no we absolutely are I also feel it's really important to look at your own happiness you know I'm, I say this over and over again my happiness is my responsibility it's nobody else's job to make me happy but I do truly believe that that was the shifting point in my my life of happiness was when I really got that, when I really took the responsibility totally on. And that can be from the big things of what is it that I want to achieve in life to the little things of I don't want to get annoyed by a cordial bottle being left out on the kitchen sink. You know, it is all about my choice of how I feel about anything. Nobody can make me feel anything. So by choosing your own discipline to make yourself happy and then combine that with a commitment to want to fill your partner's love bucket up creates a beautiful relationship. So what happens when we get to a point where, okay, I want to achieve something that it's not compatible with what my partner wants then we need to be looking at what is it that my partner wants and what is that feeling that he is wanting to get. Did we talk once on, a, on an episode about the golf? I think we used the golf as an example of where... I don't know. You okay. don't know where I'm going here. No, so. we haven't. Okay, well, okay. so the example of, of where he wants to play golf every single Sunday morning and she is starting to resent that he's played golf every Sunday morning for seven years yes. and she's starting to get really shitty that he just walks out the house at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning and she never gets to have Sundays with him. And so she starts to feel resentment about the golf 
and resentment that he doesn't actually value her. He just rocks out the door every Sunday morning. Yeah, I remember the golf. Yes. Oh, we did talk about this the golf. This is a good one. Go on, Joe. Oh, it's okay to repeat it? Well, you're, you're in this the right topic. Those, the right topic. <laughs> those who've never heard it are going to be dying for the punchline now. Oh, okay, all right. So what? instead of getting angry about the golf, what is it that you're really feeling? Is it that you are feeling disconnected? Is it that you're feeling that he's taking you for granted? And is it that you now want him to stop playing golf? Well, the reality is that you can both win in this. He can continue to play golf, but you need to actually present with him how you're starting to feel. And it might have taken five years you didn't care, and the last two years it's been getting worse and worse and worse every Sunday because you have tolerated it instead of either accepting or rejecting it. So now you need to start gently telling him how you're feeling. So instead of saying, I hate the fact that you go to golf every Sunday, it is... I'm starting to feel a little bit sad that we don't get to do perhaps the occasional Sunday outing because you have golf every week. How would you feel if occasionally you could play golf perhaps on a Saturday or maybe just miss one every now and again so that we could do something together on a Sunday? You're just gently paving the way. You're not saying it has to start this Sunday. You're just allowing him to now absorb the problem and go away and process it and think about it for a while. But at the same time, look deeper than the golf. Look at, is it that it's a disconnection that you're not feeling honoured and seen and heard? Then apply some of these tools that we've been talking about today and see if that actually ends up in a situation where you actually don't care about the golf and he can play golf every Sunday because you've got date night sets, you've got bucket lists being filled up, you've uh, being achieved together, you've got new experiences being created, you've got the five love languages of all different ways of being able to communicate love with each other going on, you've got the gratitude going on, and now he can play golf happily every Sunday, and you can now go and do what you want every Sunday. Beautiful. That's right. And now I'm going to talk about sex. Okay. Right. Here's another tool for your toolkit, the five senses. Because we've forgotten, well, I'd say there's six because I'm psychic, but you know, we've forgotten how to use them. We've forgotten how to use them all at once and together. Now, for those of the, of you that know the Karma Sutra, um, and Tantra and all of those beautiful ancient traditions, they heavily, heavily rely on the invocation of setting the scene for lovemaking. Okay. So when you go and look in the ancient Indian sacred texts, we've got rose petals scattered in bath water. That's, you know, with oils dropped in, they're burning frankincense in the air. There's food laid out, finger food, like juicy figs and, you know, velvety grapes and things to pick up and feed each other with the fingers. There's the tactile sensation of the soft rugs and the silks and the throws on the floor. There's the, you know, Sorokan breezes blowing in through the gauze curtains or the scent of the ocean outside. You're making love by starlight or twilight or candlelight. There's all of these beautiful, amazing senses that are being evoked and titillated, if you like, um, which add to the magic and the sacredness of the coming together of the experience. Because let's face it, so, you know, here we are in 21st century, jump in the car, get home, long day, sit in traffic, you know, you finally make a home, chuck something in the microwave where you don't if you listen to the wellness guys. You'd be hand-making your <laughs> quinoa salad with, anyway... <laughs> Jane and I having a laugh. No, but we respect that you're all healthy, well-being listeners. But, you know, at the same time, we live these very 
very chaotic lives. We're buzzing around. We've got the TV on. We've got the, you know, the fluorescent lights buzzing overhead. We've got the radioactive computer screen sitting in front of us on our laps. Uh, and then we flop into bed or we manage to quick kiss on the cheek on the way past to the toilet. And then, yeah, and then here we are and we're suddenly flopped in the sack and we're supposed to just turn on magic and it doesn't happen. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's just too hard. So the quickie has its place though. The quickie will still connect. However, scheduling in the time, and I love the way you described all of those senses, and of course, adding beautiful music. Music, well. music, music. Of course, touch, to, to, massage oils. I haven't even gone into all the different ways. But I you, actually think we should do a podcast just on this. Oh, actually. we're just about. I can feel one coming, Jane. <laughs> what better to follow this show than a sex show? Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we've just done relationships, so I think maybe we do need to look at exploring the intimate connection with each other as well. Jane, are there any final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with this week on the topic of taking a relationship to the next level? Try every single one of these tools that we have talked about and you'll get your favourites. You'll find some that fill your love bucket up more, fill up the connection more than others. Grab your favourites, use them, and remember that if you're not proactive, it's not going to happen. Thank you. Blessings to that. Now, remember, folks, we'd love to hear your feedback, so you can provide it in any number of ways, but the best is to go to our website, which is thewellnesscouch.com slash love hyphen life. And if you've liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and you can also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. Jane, I've had so much fun with you. Thank you. As always, it's been fabulous. So until next week when we do sex, continue to double your happiness. Yay. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.